fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You are darn right it is. Welcome into the program. The midweek celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. Why? Because why not? We are the eternal optimist. Shut up. Welcome into the show. We have a lot to get to today. I am not going to waste a whole lot of time, so welcome in broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death and appreciate you very, very much. You're a millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. I am really honored and excited to have a lot of guests on this program today. Some really cool ones. Bottom of the hour, we have John Moody. He is a former executive vice president of Fox News, also author of his new book. We'll talk about COVID. We'll talk about the agenda from China. Remember China? We'll talk about their agenda and how to move forward in a post-COVID era after the great reset that many have been very concerned about here. Also, I don't want to waste any time because the interview went a little long, so I want to make sure we have plenty of time to air the entire thing. But I'm really honored to have on the program with us here that we just sat down with not, I don't know, not an hour ago. He is the House Minority Whip for the Republicans in Washington, D.C. from the 1st District of Louisiana. Remember that guy that got shot on the baseball field? couple years back from the crazy Bernie Sanders supporter. Oh, yeah, that guy, Steve Scalise, congressman from the 1st District of Louisiana, also House Minority Whip. We sat down with him just a little bit ago to talk about upcoming election season, how things are going as he's traveled all across the nation, including right here in Kansas, where I'm hailing from earlier today. And this is what he had to say right here on The Voice of Reason. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm doing great. Uh, appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, it is a great honor to have you on here. And before we get into anything, uh, since we've never talked, and I know it's been you know a couple of years since then, I am glad that you're doing well after the incident with the baseball field and you've recovered fully. What a scary and sad ordeal that we've had to deal with here in this country. But I am so glad that you're still in D.C. fighting the good fight, my friend. Well, thanks a lot, Andy. And look, uh, God performed a lot of miracles that day. Uh, you know, you had a lot, a lot of heroes on the ball field that day, too. And of course, started with Capitol Police, who who saved not just me, but there's about over, over a dozen members of Congress who, who the crazed shooter wanted to take out that day. And he wasn't successful because of the bravery of our Capitol Police and uh, a lot of other heroes like Brad Wenstrup, who was a medical doctor, also a congressman on the field that day. So yeah. lucky to be alive. So well, appreciate that. Yeah, lucky to be alive. And I'm so glad you are in keeping that fight up, which is, you know, difficult sometimes with some of the stuff that people have to grow through. I'm excited, though. We have a lot of momentum. I've seen polls back and forth between Democrats are up by a point, Republicans are up by 10 points as we go closer yeah. to this election. But we're just weeks away, and you've been traveling all over the country. You were in right here in my home state where my flagship station is here in Kansas earlier today, actually. Uh, you actually are in Iowa now. You're all over the place. What are you seeing on the streets, and how are you feeling as we go in uh, closer to election time here? Yeah, Andy, it's real exciting when you actually get out in the real world, leave Washington, <laughs> you know, where all this madness, the socialist garbage is coming from, and, and go to places where people like are hard work and they actually have to live with the policies that are raising costs for everything and, you know, just making life tougher for families. So we were in Kansas City yesterday, did an event with Jake LaTurner and uh, this great candidate, Amanda Atkins, who's got a, a great chance of flipping 
a seat there in Kansas. And then, of course, uh, went to Wichita. And this morning we had a great breakfast event for our friend Ron Estes. Ron's a great member, and uh, and he deserves to be in the majority, not in the minority. And yeah. so we've got those. And then I went to Iowa. We have uh, three seats here that are truly competitive. Two are incumbent Republicans. Uh, one is, is a member two years ago, Mar- uh, Marinette Miller-Meeks, who won by six votes out of 400,000. So, Andy, anybody who tells you, you know, does my vote really count? This is probably the closest race in the history of Congress ever. And two years ago in Iowa, Marionette won by six votes, not 6%, but literally six. Four people changed their vote, and she's not a member of Congress. That's how close it was. She's a wonderful new member of our Republican conference, and she's going to win. It's a close race. It's a multi-million dollar race, but she's going to come back. And uh, we have a chance, too, to flip a seat. In, in Iowa and have an entire Republican congressional delegation wow. in the state of Iowa. I was in Nevada last week where we have three seats that can flip from Democrat to Republican in the Las Vegas suburbs. And look, people are fed up with the spending and with crime. The state of Oregon I went to last week, Portland, Oregon, you would not think of Portland as a bastion of conservatism. And, and it's not, but they're fed up with socialism. And look, they saw it when Portland defunded their police more than anybody. They literally gave part of the city. It was taken over by some of the most radical criminals and, and people got livid with it. And they're ready to throw out a whole bunch of the Democrats there that supported defund the police. So we've got three seats in Oregon we can flip. That's wow. what's going on out there in the real world. So it's encouraging when you see it because we've got phenomenal candidates, a lot of people from different walks of life, a lot of military veterans who are running on the Republican side, a lot of small business owners, people that just, you know, that have to live with the consequences of Washington, but also that recognize that the, the fight for freedom is real right now in this country. If we want to preserve that American dream that you and I love so much, you got to get out and vote. You got to vote Republican and fire Nancy Pelosi. Amen to that. It's very encouraging to hear all these seats that we could potentially be flipping. What it sounds like is that Democrats have almost overplayed their hands. I mean, we obviously have a divisiveness in this nation, but when AOC seems to be the face of the socialist movement, AOC and Bernie Sanders and these uh, crazies on the far fringes of the Democrat Party, when that becomes the mainstream of the party, it seems like there's so many people out there that may have a hard time identifying as Democrats nowadays. Yeah, and you're seeing it like last year in, in Virginia. And, and anybody that looks at Virginia knows it's not a swing state. It's a deep blue state. And yet they actually voted and elected a Republican in Yunkin because they were fed up. I mean, especially when you talk about shutting down schools, when Biden and all the Democrats sided with the unions to hurt millions of kids by shutting them out. And, and all the science said the kids ought to be in school, but the unions said we don't want to be. And that was a huge issue there. And in fact, one of the issues that we're running on, and, and you know, even you and I talked about it personally, we're rolling out an agenda like the contract with America. We're calling it the commitment to America. Mm. And we don't want to just talk about what we're against. And believe me, there's a lot. We're against all this crazy far left, big government socialism that you're seeing coming out of Washington. But we also wanted to show the country what we're for. If you elect a Republican majority, what would it look like? And so we put those bold conservative ideas on paper, you know, kind of the old adage of like that Reagan-esque shining city on the hill. How do you get back there? Well, we're showing the American people how, you know, we could become energy independent again, and we're going to bring bills to the House floor to actually do that so we don't have to rely on Russia and Saudi and OPEC countries for our oil. Border security. And look, whether you're in Kansas, Iowa, any state is a border state right now because of all the drugs. When Biden opened up the border and literally gave operational control over to the drug cartels, 
where you're seeing over 100,000 young people last year died from fentanyl and other drugs coming across our open southern border. It's touched every single community. Yeah. I mean, you think about the equivalent of a plane crashing every day. Over 300 young people every day in America are dying from these drug overdoses because of the open border. And Biden won't do a thing about it because he created the mess and he knows to fix it. You got to close the border. We're going to actually pass bills out of the House to close and secure America's border. Get back to the basic fundamentals on getting our economy working again, lowering the cost of things. Stop paying people not to work. You know, the trillions of dollars of spending that's come out of Washington the last two years that has risen the cost of everything from groceries to the gasoline you buy. I mean, this is madness. We've got to stop it. That's what the commitment to America is about. I love it. It's a great plan. It's a great commitment to America, and it seems to be resonating. I mean, we have a major victory yeah. we saw just a couple of months ago with Myra Flores down in Texas uh, being the first Hispanic woman from Mexico to be a congresswoman in the Republican Party supporting the conservative movement. I know she's going to have a challenging race with the district redrawing a little bit, but the fact that we were able to win a blue seat that's been blue for 150 years shows the sign and the message and the momentum we have, and I'm excited. Hopefully we can retain that seat along with getting others in that area as well. Yeah, Andy, I want Myra Flores to become a household name because she is a phenomenal, phenomenal example of the American dream. And look, you know, as you mentioned, her parents moved here from Mexico. She was born in Mexico. Now, if you're thinking, should I run for Congress? So first of all, she's living in Texas. Never in the history of America had anyone who was born in Mexico who's a female gotten elected to Congress, Republican or Democrat. So you're thinking, OK, that might be a little uphill. But let's look at some other things there. Well, nobody since 1871 had gotten elected as a Republican in that district. And by the way, she's a conservative. She's married to a Border Patrol agent, and she's in an 85 percent Hispanic district. And she ran because she came here legally, like so many other wonderful people who followed all the rules and the laws and wanted to come here and seek the American dream. They don't like that. You've got millions of people that are just jumping ahead of other people in line coming here, plus all the drug cartels taking over our border and killing people with fentanyl. And she said, I want to do something about it. And she didn't just win. She won by eight points. And it's unreal to see the left going nuts. It scares them to death to think that there's a lot more people like Myra Flores that are going to get elected as Republicans this cycle because people are fed up and Hispanic voters are moving our way in big numbers. And like I said, it scares the death out of Democrats, but they could do something about it. They just won't. Yeah. They won't reverse their far left socialism. And a lot of these people... Think of all the people that came to America, whether you left from Cuba or South or Central America, fled socialist dictatorships. You didn't leave socialism to come and see America become socialist. And, and they know it when they see it, and they're standing up against it, too. It's going to be, I think November 8th is going to be a big wave for us. But people need to vote. People need to support the candidates that believe in this commitment to America to get the country back on track, and they have to vote. Amen to that. Yeah, I'm excited. And you're right. I think they've overplayed their hand. I sense some desperation from the other side because of the fact that the minority groups that they've just taken for granted for so many years are starting to stray and look at other options. Last question for you. I know you're a busy guy and I appreciate your time very much here. Let's hopefully when we come back in January and we have a Republican majority in both chambers, I'd like to say, but especially for the House representatives, talk about your side as the whip and hopefully you can be the majority whip by that time as well. Working with the Republican Party in the internal side, finding that unity within the Republican Party, because I know for a while there, we seem to be our own worst enemy at times where we can't pass our own agenda. And it's quite frustrating at times, honestly. Yeah. And in fact, that's why we wanted to put it down on paper this time, because it's one thing if if you've got there's 435 seats in Congress and 
And look, not all of them are going to be Republican seats, but let's say we get to 230, 218 is the magic number. If you got to 230 or 240 Republicans, that would be an historic Republican majority. But if we all ran on our own agenda and we have 240 different agendas, <laughs> you're not going to be able to get everybody together to get anything done. Yeah. And so we said, like, let's talk in advance of the election about those things that unite us and put it on paper and then go make a commitment to the American people that if you give us the majority, we will bring these bills up in the House. We'll debate them. We'll pass these bills to the Senate. Maybe we even get a Republican Senate. I think we will. But at least in the House, we've already said these are bills in the first hundred days, in the first six months of a Republican majority. This is what the House floor is going to look like. People might actually want to watch C-SPAN and watch these great debates about how to get uh, costs down, how to get our economy on track and address inflation and secure the border. That's what we're going to be debating and passing bills through the House to do. It's going to be great. And when we actually see Republicans and we see them stopping the Biden administration, which, I mean, come on, we have a president that tries to shake the hand with the Easter Bunny, for crying out loud. We can do way better. And uh, the voice of the Republicans will be loud. I think November is going to be huge, and we can actually get yeah, our country well. back on track. It is Congressman. Uh, you know Steve, we can do better. We can always do better. Absolutely. And then we just go right into the 2024 election, which is a whole other conversation, and we'll pick your brain on that at a later time. It is Congressman Steve Scalise, the 1st District of yep. Louisiana, House Minority Whip. Congressman, keep up the fight, my friend. We appreciate everything you're doing out there helping the other candidates, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Great, Andy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. God bless. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn straight it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out. What up? Always great to have you along today, especially for the midweek celebration. Thanks again to Steve Scalise, Congressman from the 1st District of Louisiana. Love that state and House Minority Whip. And a big shout out to Congressman Ron Estes' team right here in the Kansas area good friends as they're the ones that helped us hook that one up so that's awesome we appreciate their efforts very very much uh, this guy steve, uh, steve scalise congressman scalise all over the place man when i talked to him just an hour ago he was in iowa just after being all over kansas and he was in other states as he mentioned uh, all throughout the last week or so doing the big push for the get out the vote which i think it's working gotta be honest gotta uh, i think it's working with the uh, uh, early voting numbers that we're seeing across the nation we talked about it yesterday I was concerned because normally Democrats usually are favored in the early voter turnout, but the voter turnout is at record highs all over the place in the state of Georgia, in the state of Florida, in other places as well. Record number of turnout, mail-in ballots all over the place. So is that a cause for concern or is that optimism for us? The polls show that Republicans are favored because well, Democrats don't have a plan. They don't have an agenda. Republicans it took them a while, but they got a plan. And as uh, the congressman said here uh, just a few minutes ago, I mean, the commitment to America is a great plan. And Ronna McDaniel, she was on Newsmax earlier today and said that since Republicans have been focusing on economic issues on the campaign trail, that their poll numbers again have started to climb. Because Democrats were funneling so much money to try and make abortion the number one issue, but Republicans know that voters feel that the economy is the number one issue and we don't have to pay money to make them feel that way because they're going to the grocery store they're filling their car with gas they know that their favorite restaurant costs more they know that everything in their lives costs more 
So it's the issues that are right in front of them that the Republican Party's talking about right now. And that's what voters are waking up every day thinking about because it's really, really real to them. That audio from Newsmax. I am glad she said that. I wish we would have focused on that more. I mean, it's an easy thing. I've said that many times in this program. It is so easy for us to topple down the agenda from the Democrats. All we have to do is say, go look in the grocery store. Go look at the gas station. Go see how the prices are. The Biden administration just today announced that they're going to be releasing another 15 million barrels of oil from our federal petroleum reserves, which somehow is going to solve the issues of all the gas prices in the nation, right? Yeah. (laughs) Releasing 15 million barrels. I want to remind you that over the last six months, the Biden administration released 1 million barrels a day for like the six months or three months or whatever, or 90 days, whatever the hell it was. Then he released 10 million. Now he's released 15 million. He has depleted our oil reserves in this nation. And have we seen any relief at the gas pump at all? Now to them, they think, at least for example, where I'm at in here in Kansas, $3.50, that's a break because it should be at $5 right now. So three fifty, hey, you're doing good. When just two years ago, year and a half ago, it was under $3. It was almost $2 a gallon of gas. And now, hey, you know what? We're maintaining it. You've depleted our oil reserves. And I'd like to remind you, how many barrels of oil do we consume every day just as the nation for energy production and for gas and for everything else that we do in this nation? How much do we re- How much do we use? Oh, yeah, that's right. Anywhere between 22 to 24 million barrels a day. A day. So your 15 million barrels that you've released from the oil reserves, thank you. You've been able to compensate for roughly three quarters of a day's worth of production in oil. That's about it. And now you've depleted them or almost depleted them to where now we're going to have a hard time refilling them. I'd like to remind you as well that the Biden or the Trump administration, when they left office, we had our oil reserves fully restored and we were actually net exporting our oil at the end of the day and end of his administration the democrats don't like that thought so when they are asked about hey can we just produce more oil no 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 we don't want to do that in fact pete Buttigieg said no no we don't want a a permanent solution to a temporary plot problem we don't want to be drilling more oil we want to go alternative energies here we're just trying to get through the bad hump here of just not having any oil to keep us going where we're at right now until we force the market into another side of energy that's going to be extremely inefficient, extremely any cost effective and extremely expensive for most individuals. John Moody, former VP of Fox News, he'll be right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. The show goes by way too fast. We, I need four hours. Can I just, please, please, can I have four hours? I need a four-hour program. <laughs> We're just going to have to make that happen. Welcome back into the show. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. There, the gauntlet has been thrown. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later on the program. The gauntlet has been thrown. Hey, I'm here to call out Joe Rogan. for. Oh, man. Oh, man. The gauntlet has been laid. The line has been drawn. The challenge has been made. Um, I think you'll find it kind of interesting. Welcome back into the show. Thanks again to Congressman Steve Scalise, uh, Scalise coming on the show a little bit earlier in the program. House Minority Whip, hopefully soon House Majority Whip 
and we can get these Republicans to get united and actually get some things done and stop this Biden administration. Imagine, if you will, even if we stay with a, a stagnation in the Senate with a 50-50 and the tiebreaker with the vice president, even with the slight majority in the Democrats on the Senate side, which I don't believe, I still believe that we're going to win the majority in the Senate as well with Republicans by two or three seats. I am optimistic. I am feeling it. Ugh, it deep in my bones. We're going to do this thing. Even if, though, in worst case scenario, they still have the majority there, guess what? They need both chambers to get stuff done. And when we win near 30 seats in the House of Representatives, like is what I've been hearing, the tweet tweets from the internal, and what I'm optimistic about, then they won't be able to do anything. All we have to do is hold that one chamber. So get ready, because we we may not be able to advance anything, but at least we can stop some of the madness that's going on. Work in progress. Work in progress. I want to shift gears a little bit here. Excited to have back on the... We've had him once or twice on the show, but let's get back to him. What's trending today? As we shift gears just a little bit, talk about the agenda from, is Donald Trump like to say, China. As we talk about COVID-19, the post-COVID era, and where we're at today, he is the author of the book, The World We Wish. He's also a former executive vice president and executive editor for Fox News as well. Excited to have back on the program with us here, Mr. John Moody. John, how are you, my friend? I'm well, Andy. How about you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am excited to have you on the show. It is crazy times that we live in, and now that we're in this post-COVID, well, I can't even say that really. We're not in the post-COVID era. We're seeing states actually try to bring back mask mandates, even for those whom are vaccinated. We have uh, the push for the mail-in and extended voting in this nation going into election season because of concerns about COVID or the flu. Now we have flu shots. Uh, We live in a slightly different world than pre-COVID, don't we? Well, we sure do, and and I'm not even sure that we're supposed to COVID. I mean, I know that everybody wants us to, but it, in fact, it's really the Chinese virus. Mm. Uh, we just don't want to uh, make China too upset. <laughs> that is very true. Talk about our relationship with China right now. It's been rocky. I know the last couple of years we've had the the Chinese the the China U.S. China trade deal where the first phase of that ended, but we haven't really moved forward with anything. China's been talking about trying to do what Russia's doing right now, but with Taiwan. Where are we with our relations with China right now? I think it's at a real crucial juncture, Andy. Um, you know, Xi Jinping, the the ultimate leader of China, has just been given. Uh, five more years of total control over the Chinese Communist Party, which means all of China. And with that, he is probably the most powerful Chinese leader since Mao Zedong. Uh, so he has he has almost nothing to stop him from doing exactly what he wants to do. And I think the thing that he wants more than anything is to use his word, reunite Taiwan with the mainland. Um, he's he's promised in public speeches that he will do that during his term, and there's no reason to think that um, anything that he sees in the world, including the U.S. response to invasion of Ukraine, is going to stop him from carrying out his mission. That's a very scary thought, and that could lead to a lot of conflict, obviously, with us trading with both Taiwan and with China and could put a strain on some of those relationships. The Chinese communist system, which... Uh, we, for a while, kind of strayed away and said, well, the Chinese aren't really communists. They weren't really going down that communist road. They had a lot of uh, a lot of business, a lot of enterprise that started up in the nation. Maybe they're going capitalist, at least to a degree. Was that the case, or are they more just as communist as what they were, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Well, the, the word communist, Andy, seems to have lost some of it. Uh, Xi Jinping, four years ago, introduced something that he called very cleverly, and by the way, 
socialism with Chinese characteristics. Now, you know, that, that doesn't mean much in the English language, but to a native-speaking Chinese person, that means we're taking, we're taking control of communism and we're going to bend it the way we want it to be. So you can still make money in China, you can still become a millionaire in China, but you better not do anything that's going to upset the Chinese Communist Party, because that's what's going to land you in a whole world of trouble. Mm. Um, he has he has gone forth with that, and having to having to face the, the the virus, the Chinese virus, just as everybody else has, he has instituted this thing called zero COVID. Well, what's zero COVID? I mean, it sounds great. It sounds like you know zero calories in a Coke, but what it means is. If there's any signal that a country or a, a city in China is starting to have an increase in virus infections, he locks the city down. I did a couple of days ago that in Shanghai, which was in a full lockdown earlier this year, and Shanghai, of course, is the biggest Chinese city, but in Shanghai, when they did this, a thousand people died in their own apartments because they were not allowed to leave to get food. Yeah. And another thousand people probably died because they were not allowed to go to doctors for necessary medical treatment. That's socialism with Chinese characteristics. Exactly. It was devastating to see that. I mean, not allowed to go out and get food, not allowed to go get medical care. It was a complete lockdown. The question is now is how much of that could we potentially see float over across the pond onto our side as we see a potential another wave of COVID or we see severe flu season again and now they're pushing some of these vaccines. Is that on the horizon for us? And is that a concern that we should be aware of on our end? Well, everything goes by degrees, Andy. And and I think that's going to be taking place in the United States. But I do think that these ideas that, you know, um, uh, people can't control their own health situation. People can't control their own destinies. I think that, that this doesn't sound like what Americans are used to hearing. Yeah. And as long as people are getting sick, of course, there's, you know, there are ways to remedy that. There are, there are ways to, to counter it. But um, it almost seems not based on the socialist pr- principles at all, but based on instilling fear in people that they don't know what's happening to them and they don't know how to treat it. Sure. Yeah. We're talking with John Moody, the author of the book, uh, The World That We Wish, which you can find on the Tweety at China COVID book. Let's talk about for a second the government of China and their implementation of a social credit score, which has been talked about quite a bit. Mm. Uh, And that's another concern for me as well, because obviously if you don't have a high credit score, you can't travel, you can't buy food, you can't purchase goods. They essentially could freeze your accounts. They could just come after you. Uh, Right now in our nation, we're pushing for digital currency. I mean, PayPal's making a big push trying to get rid of paper money, trying to get rid of bartering systems, just wanting to do a digital currency. Is this on the horizon for us as we kind of mimic what other nations are doing? Well, the Chinese social credit system is is really a nefarious idea. I mean, what it says is we're going to get all of your information. And we don't, we don't mean your birthday. We don't mean, uh, you know, where you live. We don't mean what party you vote. Of course, you can't vote for any party in China except the Communist Party. <laughs> But but um, it means we're going to look at you. We're going to use our monitors in the streets to check your eye movements to see if, if your retina may be indicating that you have bad thoughts. Wow. And if you do that, then your social credit score goes down. 
if you ever say anything, even at work, even in the street, talking to a friend in the outdoors that is recorded or noticed by the, by the many millions of cameras in China, your credit score goes down. And it's not just social credit. It goes much deeper. It means you can't get a job. You can get fired from your job. You can't ever hope to get a better job. You can't hope to ever get a, a better house than you have right now. It goes deep into the fabric of every person's life. And it says, you know what, you want to, you want to get ahead in the world, do what the party tells you. I've never heard of such a scary scenario. This is beyond 1984, isn't it? Well, um, Orwell was a pretty inventive writer, but he never had anything like this in mind. <laughs> yeah, I can never imagine. Uh, I mean, I knew it was bad. I never knew it could potentially be that bad, uh, which is why so many people despise technology. I'm not one that does very well with technology myself. But if technology is able to get to that point, if they can listen to your thoughts and listen to your conversations out in the middle of a public street and lower your credit score, then uh, I guess the next question is, how do people in China combat something like that? And how do they fight it off and how do they bring back some personal liberties to them? Or are they able to? Well, you know, Andy, years ago, I, I lived in, in Moscow when it was still the Soviet Union. And when I'd come back to the United States, people would say to me, why don't the people just revolt against the Soviet government? Why don't they just overthrow it? Yeah. And I'd say, well, I'll tell you what, friend, you go first, and then we'll all follow you. Mm. You know, it, 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 it's real easy to talk about revolt and revolution. It's real tough to be the first person to stand, like, like that guy did in Tiananmen Square so many years ago, stand in front of a tank when it's coming at you. Yeah. Amen to that. It is definitely taking that first leap. Hopefully there are enough people that if someone does take that first leap, then they'd have a lot of people supporting behind them. But again, when you're in that position, it is a scary thought indeed. The book is The World We Wish. You can find it online, find it on Barnes & Nobles, find it on Amazon as well. You can also find him on the Tweety at China COVID Book and follow him there. John, it's great to talk to you, my friend. We're out of time already, but we got to get you back on again. Uh, last question in about 20 seconds here. Are you optimistic about us stopping things like this here in our nation? Yeah, I think I am. I, I think that despite our many differences, despite all the things that we're worried about in the United States, um, we're still not going to let people be bolted and welded into their apartments without food and without medical resources. I just don't think that's what America is, and I think that all of us can come together to try to stop that. At least for now, we have some of our constitutional liberties to try and actually allow ourselves to take care of ourselves. John, we appreciate it very much, my friend. Let's do it again soon. Always a pleasure, Andy. Hey, absolute pleasure. We'll do it again. When we come back here, we'll shift gears a little bit, wrap up the program for a midweek celebration right here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today for a midweek celebration. Thanks again to John Moody coming on the program. Go check out his book. Could you imagine for just a second a social credit score system like that, a oppressive oversight of that system? Now, again, I'm optimistic because we actually have constitutional protections, or at least we do right now, which is why we have to fight for them every day. The other side of the aisle seems to blur that line just a little bit to make it more and more difficult for us to do so because it's in our public good, right? They some, Somehow, can someone please explain to me, and you can email me, who's your media network at gmail.com. Can someone please explain to me how the argument of, 
we're doing this for your best interest and for your good. How does that somehow win people over? Here's a very clear message for you, Democrats, and here's a very clear message for you, big government entities or the elites or the bullshadow government or whatever the hell you want to call them. Here's my very clear message for you. I do not need you to, nor want you to, nor uh, also know that you no longer have the capacity to take care of me. I do not want you to take care of me. I do not need you to take care of me. I do not think you have the ability or the power or the authority or the constitutional right to take care of me. Leave me the hell alone and let me take care of myself. That is the message that's from so many voters all over this nation that just want to be left alone, that just want to go to work during the day, that want to be able to make enough money to bring food home for the family, that want to be able to put an addition on their house or actually have expendable cash in their life and enjoy life because it's more than just work, that want to at least be able to pay their bills and then some. That's what we want. We cannot do that with government programs. We cannot do that with social programs. We cannot do that with government handout checks. We cannot do that with government WIC checks. I feel like I'm Dr. Seuss right now. We cannot do that with government doing it for us. That is slavery. That is servitude. That is putting that glass ceiling over every single citizen. And the the crazy part is the Democrats in power know it. Oh, they know it. The voters, they're just the fools that just think that they're doing the right thing because they're taking care of people. Guess what? You give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. That's what Democrats have a hard time grasping because they have no concept of history in any way, shape, or form. Leave us alone. Get the hell out of our way. Stop spending absurd amounts of money at the federal level and let us do our own thing. But that's another level of insanity with China, having cameras everywhere, listening to your every conversation, and controlling you. Oh, you said something bad about what we're promoting? You don't think it's a good idea? Guess what? Now you're not going to be able to buy groceries for a week. That's insane, man. Luckily, we have enough rural communities around this nation that when something like that, if something, God forbid, like that ever happened, we'd be going farmer's market, baby, and trading out a goat for a pig, and everybody would be all happy hunky-dory. But unfortunately, we have individuals that believe this way. Now, the gauntlet has been laid down. I don't know how much I'm going to or going to be able to play for this audio because it makes me cringe and laugh all at the same time. But this apparently is a thing now in the U.S. because while we're debating about how to evolve as a nation and as as a society, we're still debating about basic things in society, apparently. Hey, I'm here to call out Joe Rogan for talking crap about me and talking crap about my mama. He's been doing it for too long. Me and my mama will tell you right now this earth is flat. It ain't moving around at no 600-something thousand miles an hour, spinning a thousand miles an hour, and floating through the universe constantly, okay? This earth is flat, it's fixed, and the stars and stuff rotate around us. The sun rotates around us, okay? And I can prove that. I would love to debate you, Joe Rogan, because I'm tired of you making fun of flat earthers. And if you're so confident, Come on and debate me, buddy, because I'm tired of this crap you're posting. You want to post a video today um, about a mathematician that says the universe is local, but it ain't real. What does that even mean? That's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo crap, brother. And the guy is holding a trident in the picture. And y'all think I'm crazy for thinking that this is a religious thing. He's holding a trident, a symbol of the devil. They're trying to feed you these lies to make you think that science is right and that 
Wow. Oh, it goes on. We don't have time for it, but it goes on. Yeah, we are. We're we're up against that apparently. That uh, I'm pretty sure. What was his name? Galileo. Galileo Galilei. I'm pretty sure that we solved that issue about the Earth being flat and the entire universe revolving around us. I'm sure we settled that debate like a thousand years ago. Could be wrong on that one, but man, if that's the level of what we have to recorrect in society, I'm really pessimistic about how to evolve further in understanding the commonality and common sense around the world. That's <laughs> that does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. Great program. Back at it again tomorrow for the pre-Friday celebration. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Bring some common sense and sanity back into the world. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.